You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, If you're like me, and I assume everyone out there is like me, not like me in the sense that uh, you have a really terrible flu uh, so bad that your doctor gave you Vicodin and sent you home and antibiotics, which is what I'm going through right now. But if you're like me and it is election day in America, you probably are looking for something to take your mind off the election. It's probably early in the day on Tuesday, November 6th. You've just downloaded the podcast. Because you want to hear about sex and dirty problems and skeezy things and you just don't want to think about what might be happening uh, in Trig Romney's voting booths. You know that Trig Romney owns one of those companies that collects votes electronically with no paper trail at all? How's that for cold comfort? Anyway, we're not going to think about that. You came here today to get your mind off the election. So I'm going to do what I can to get your mind off the election, including getting my own mind off the election. But first, uh, before I – Throw something out there that will burn the election out of your brain. It will – there won't be room in your head for the election after I tell you about this other thing. Uh, Hurricane Sandy last week. You know, uh, I grew up in Chicago. I've actually never lived in New York but I spent a lot of time in New York and a lot of time on the East Coast. And, uh, you know, New York is one of two cities in the United States where when I just walk down the street, I feel like I'm at home. Uh, those two cities, of course, are Chicago and New York, not Seattle. Um, and watching uh, what happened to New York and New Jersey uh, last week on television just felt like you were watching a, uh, a much-loved friend get beat up on a security camera and you couldn't do anything to help um, in the moment. But you can do something to help now and I wish everyone would do it along with me. Uh, text 90999. Uh, text to the Red Cross at 90999 and it donates 10 bucks to the Red Cross, which is what they need. They need your 10 bucks. They don't need your faked photo op. Relief efforts, Mitt Romney. They need your ten bucks, and I would really uh, appreciate it as a personal favor. Everyone out there listening to the podcast, if you would kick in just ten bucks to the Red Cross to help everybody out in New York and New Jersey and everywhere else, uh, they got the shit kicked out of them by Sandy last week. Uh, but here's the thing that I want to do to like take your mind off the election. It was in the column last week, but I, I'm going to talk about it now. Uh, not everyone reads the column, listens to the podcast, but even if you read the column, I'm sure just having this re-referenced will uh, burn the election out of your brain for a second. I got a letter from a guy uh, writing in about uh, something called – he thought it was called saline balls. He somehow Googled saline and balls and up came these photographs of guys with basketball-sized scrotums or grapefruit-sized or softball-sized scrotums. And, and he wrote to me wondering how the hell you do that, why you do that and how the hell you do that. Um, and uh, first of all, he got it wrong. You, you, people – what they do is uh, saline, which is just salt water uh, and sterile saline, which they just pump into people who are uh, dehydrated as I am right now. Um, they just uh, stick a little you know, uh, IV, uh, not into a vein but just into the scrotum and then you put the drip in and you let that person's balls – blow up to the size of grapefruits. Now, your scrotum is very elastic. I remember being in college a million years ago and the professor talking about hypothetically in this biology class that a man could carry a baby to term 
the fertilized egg would just have to implant or be implanted. Uh, it's not going to float across the room in the dude in a place where his skin uh, was a lot of blood and it was warm and his skin was elastic enough to expand uh, to accommodate the growing fetus, the growing baby. And that place was my biology professor told us, told all the horrified kids in his class, the scrotum, that the scrotum could account, the, the, the man's testicles, all that extra baggy skin could expand uh, enough to accommodate a growing uh, infant baby thingy. Uh, and it would all be fine until the kids started kicking, of course, and then it would really be complicated. Then you'd have to get the craziest cesarean section ever. <laughs> Anyway, uh, people do this. They blow their scrotums up to the size of grapefruits and softballs and basketballs. A and if you Google saline balls, you will find pictures, uh, unfortunately, uh, many pictures uh, of people in the process of having them done to themselves. So if you need to get your mind off the election and you're anywhere near a computer and you must be because here you are listening to me and you downloaded the podcast somehow, uh, you can just Google saline balls. And I, I guarantee that what you will see will take your mind off the election. And if you want to see saline balls in action, go to tinyurl.com slash saline balls, which is a tiny URL that I created just to take you to a site where you can see what saline balls can do. And it is kind of amazing. The person who wrote me at the column wanted to know why anyone would do this. And that's the – you know, anytime anybody hears about some crazy kink, something that somebody else is doing because it turns them on – they just go, what could possibly be sexy about that? Why would anyone do that? Well, just everyone needs to default to turn-ons are subjective and who knows. I, I, I look at a picture of a man having sex with a woman and I think, why would anyone do that? What's the turn-on there, right? Because it just isn't my thing. Great big enormous blown-up sailing balls, not my thing. Uh, but I get it. I get that it must be a thing for someone and I can sort of understand it even before I called Dart who is a BDSM educator who was a guest expert in the column last week and you can go to dartsdomain.com to learn more about him. But he ran us through the reasons why people would think this is exciting to to blow someone's balls up like that. You know, people have these monstrous fetishes and you're taking these, you know, male genitals when men are obsessed with them being big and making them artificially bigger. It's disabling. So if you're in a dom sub situation and you want to make it impossible for your sub to walk across the room or leave the house because he doesn't have any underwear or pants that his scrotum will fit into after you're done with him, you can blow his balls up. And what I thought was so funny uh, after running through this in the column, that the reason why some people do this, the reason why some people blow their balls up and Dart lays out all the reasons why you might want this done to yourself or want to do it to someone or want someone to do it to you. All the comments and a lot of the letters I got after Dart had really unpacked why this is a turn on for some people and what's in it. All the questions, all the follow-up questions were, why would anyone want to do this? It's as if hearing why someone would want to do this and it being explained to you when it's not something that turns you on, it just – your brain blots it out. You still can't understand why someone would want to do it even after it's been explained to you why someone would want to do it. And I'm just sharing this with you today uh, because really all I can think about is the election. But we don't want to think about the election and I thought maybe this would help. Maybe – Grapefruit basketball-sized balls would take your mind off the election. And if just hearing about it didn't do it, I guarantee you, if you go to tinyearl.com slash saline balls, you will not be thinking about the election. Your balls after this. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles 
across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. ExtremeRestraints.com has thousands of toys capable of revolutionizing your sex life. The right vibrator, clip pump, or cock cage could unlock a whole new dimension to your sexuality. No matter how weird or vanilla you think you are, you will find great prices and a great selection for the kinds of toys that get you off. Save an extra 10% when you enter GGG November at checkout. Double that discount, 20% off, if you use that coupon code GGG November at checkout by Sunday. Hey, Dan. I'm a 34-year-old bisexual woman in a large northeastern city, and I was just invited to one of my younger cousin's bar mitzvahs uh, next month. I was invited with a plus one, and I'm currently actually dating a woman, a very bush woman, um, who most of my, my extended family don't know about. My parents have met her. Um, we've been dating for about a year. I'm unsure if this uh, large family gathering and celebration for my little cousin is the best way to introduce uh, my family to the person I'm dating. It would also be a kind of coming out of sorts um, for me if I was to bring her since I've kind of seriously dated guys for the past several years um, and that's who they have met. And I guess I'm not really out as bisexual to a lot of my extended family. So I'm just trying to figure out what to do. I'm not super close with my extended family. I feel kind of annoyed that I would have to have some type of, like, coming out heart-to-heart with people because it happened to me dating a woman in a way that, like, I wouldn't have some close, intimate conversation with them um, otherwise. It's not how our relationships are. So I feel kind of annoyed. I also feel like my mom is kind of pressuring me to, like, come out to them in a more, like, intimate one-on-one setting, but these are people I usually normally just see at large family gatherings, so not sure how or when that would happen. Assuming that this uh, large family gathering, this bar mitzvah, in a large northeastern city isn't canceled on account of the hurricane, I would hope that everyone attending this large family gathering in a large northeastern city would have things in perspective now that who you were dating, who their cousin that they only see once in a while is dating and has been dating for a year matters much less than the fact that everyone in your family was able to make it to this bar mitzvah in one piece and the hotel in which this bar mitzvah was being held wasn't flooded and blown over. Hopefully things are in clearer perspective. I I think your mom's being a douchebag. Uh, This is a sort of situation where the parent of an out queer kid needs to do some advance work with the rest of the family. Uh, she needs to say to her relatives, presumably people that she is closer to than you are, oh, just so you know, you know, whatever your name is, Susie Q is coming and Susie Q is by and she's dating this wonderful woman. They've been together for more than a year. So that's who she's bringing. I just want to give you a heads up so there'd be no uh, shock and awe at this thing. We didn't want to distract. And if your relatives, the parents of this kid, think that that would be a huge distraction, then the onus is on them to either do prep work in advance and alert other relatives to like suck it up and get over it or to disinvite you and be the real big douchebags in the room. Uh, You need to take some responsibility though for the fact that you're 34 years old and by and not yet out to your extended family. How would you manage that exactly? You've been dating for a year. 
Uh, maybe you know, the issue wasn't forced for a long time because you were dating men, although you were bi. And this is you know, one of the differences between being gay and bi. The issue is often forced when you're gay or lesbian. Uh, you do have to come out to extended family, but you don't have the luxury of uh, not having the issue forced upon you because uh, you know the gender of your lover or partner uh, calls the question. But in your case, you were able to allow your extended family to continue to presume that you were straight. So you are the author in some ways of your current predicament, right? Because now you are – you've been by for a long time. But only now are you in the situation where the person that you're dating requires you – uh, to jump in a time machine and go back 10 years and come out to your family and your extended family then. If you're on Facebook and your Facebook friends with your entire extended family, how about posting some pictures of you and your girlfriend? How about changing your status and doing it now, dropping the bomb now? Uh, and then if they all freak out and don't want you to be there, then you don't have to travel uh, in November to some horrible – well, some wonderful family gathering. But, but uh, yeah, everyone needs to – Overy up here. You need to overy up, come out to your extended family already. Your mom needs to overy up and treat not you like you're the problem in this situation but the rest of the family like they're potentially the problems in this situation and she needs to advocate for you. She needs to be an ally and an advocate for her by daughter and not shame you into not bringing the person that you're dating uh, and presumably in love with who happens to have a vagina. Hey, Dan, a long-time listener here calling. I'm 30 years old from Germany, also a homo. Just calling a question. Um, I was I was some friends on the weekend at a big club, and there was the uni season has started, so there's a lot of young guys now moving to the city, etc. And there was a young guy that was totally wasted and um, obviously very alone. And there was um, one of the, what I will label a predator gay, um, who's obviously there to pick up, obviously um, would go after a young guy who's completely drunk off his face. And me and my friends were wondering if we should have stepped in. I don't know the drunk guy. I know the guy, the quote-unquote predator gay, as he has a reputation in the city. I'm just wondering if you feel there's any responsibility for people that are already in the scene in the city um, with new people to rescue them or to put them in a cabin, send them home, or do we just sort of let it play out? Um, love your feedback. Um, my friends are also divided on the issue. Okay. Sure. I should perhaps qualify every answer I'm going to give today with, of course, the fact that I am completely blitzed out on Vicodin. It's the only way I'm able to sit up in front of a microphone right now. That said... Holy fucking shit. Yeah, you should have intervened. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yes. The golden rule. I, 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 you know, it applies in gay life too. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. What would you like bystanders to have done unto you if you were the drunk, just got to town kid in that situation? Stand there and watch it happen like a lion chasing a gazelle in a mutual of Omaha Wild Kingdom special? No. You would have really appreciated – Somebody elbowing their way in and taking you by the arm and looking out for you at a moment when you were too blitzed, too young, too stupid, perhaps drowning the shame, uh, still struggling with coming out, whatever. You would have really appreciated someone stepping in and looking out for your best interests as opposed to standing by and watching someone they know to be predatory. Let's not call them a predator because when we say gay predator, the religious right does a little victory dance because I think we're all predators. But there are people out there in gay land – who are predatory, 
uh, who prey on people, who are predators. Let's just say they're predators. You know, Jeffrey Dahmer ate a friend of mine, kind of a predator. Would have appreciated it if somebody had known and stepped in uh, when Jeffrey Dahmer was circling my friend Anthony. Would have appreciated it very much if uh, somebody had blocked that, right? But it didn't happen. I'm not saying that the guy that you know who's a, a part of that community where you live is a Dahmer-style predator. But if he's the kind of person who uses, abuses, chews up, um, preys on people, takes advantage of people, rapes people, how drunk was this kid? Could he give consent? Yeah, you should have stepped up. You don't have to get into a fist fight. You don't have to be Norma Ray about it. You don't have to kick a hole in the asshole, the dude, the predator. But just you know, taking him by the arm, telling him he's really drunk and that guy's kind of skeezy and here's my phone number. Here's our phone numbers. You know, we all try to look out for each other a little bit in this crowd and now we're putting you in a cab. That was absolutely fucking the right thing to do and I would encourage you to get in a fucking time machine and go do it. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 100,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One audiobook to consider is Mortality by Christopher Hitchens, narrated by Simon Preble. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage. That's audiblepodcast.com slash savage. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a 24-year-old female, a uh, straight girl, and uh, I have a question for you. Um, so I recently went through a pretty rough breakup with my boyfriend of about a year and a half, and uh, it was basically because he had gotten kind of um, lax about birth control in the last few months, and uh, he basically, I, I had to go off of the pill, and he was really uh, reluctant to use condoms, that kind of thing. And when he would, he wouldn't be very careful about them. Um, so it was really an issue for me. And I told him that we had to have kind of a serious talk about it. And he basically just dumped me on the spot. So it was kind of rough. But, you know, I got some getting past it pretty easily because of what a jerk he kind of turned into towards the end. Um, but my question is that is not about that. It's really that um, last week I found out that I'm pregnant. Um, and I am... I know what I'm going to do, and I have a really good support system. I'm not keeping it, and, I'm, and I have a good support system who can get me through it emotionally, and I don't need any help financially, but I don't feel, I feel like I can't, I shouldn't really let him off the hook. I don't know if I'm being vindictive in saying that. I just don't think that he should be able to get off scot-free and not even be aware of the results of what he did. I don't know what I owe him. I don't know what I owe his future relationships or whatever. So I could really use some help. The first thing I want to address in your call is when you said after you stopped using the pill, pardon me, everyone, the Vicodin is really putting his app on my head today, uh, that he wouldn't be very careful with them. And, and what that points to is something that in um, you know, Planned Parenthood land and CDC land and health educator land is called imperfect use because condoms are a really – very highly effective form of birth control. Uh, condoms used correctly at all times, two out of every 100 women who are using condoms with their male partners as their birth control method, two out of every 100 will become pregnant. That's considered a 2% failure rate and that's very, very good. I think hormonal birth control off the top of my head is a 1% failure rate. So condoms are right up there when they're used perfectly every time. 
but used imperfectly or as commonly used, sloppily used, people using them when they're drunk, uh, people not paying attention, people being entitled douchebag assholes who are a little grumpy about having to wear condoms in the first place so they're not really giving a shit or paying attention, which it sounds like was the case with your boyfriend. Imperfectly used 18 out of 100 women who are using condoms as their birth control methods with their male partners are going to become pregnant. That's an 18 percent failure rate. That's pretty significantly high. So when you said – he wouldn't be very careful with them. What that meant for everybody else I'm going to translate is maybe he let them slip off. Maybe he was so angry about having to wear them that if it broke, he didn't say anything even if he realized it had broken. Um, you have to be very careful about applying a condom to leave room at the top so that there's some place for the spunk to go so the condom doesn't burst when you start to come. Um, you have to hold it by the base and, and as you withdraw after ejaculating so that the condom doesn't leak. You got to use them carefully and correctly or – Somebody can get pregnant. In this case, call her you and you are pregnant and you are going to have an abortion. I support that choice uh, when it's the right choice for a woman, when it's her own free choice and it sounds like that's the right choice for you. And the only question you have for me is should you tell him? Absolutely, yes, you should tell him because there are too many men walking around in this country and I don't know whether this guy is pro-choice or anti-choice or what his beliefs are but there are too many men walking around uh, – too many straight men who don't know about the bullets they've dodged, who don't know that abortion was a choice that worked for them once too in their life, that there, was t there were times when they got somebody pregnant and they were not ready to be fathers and not, didn't want to be fathers and a woman chose to have an abortion and didn't say anything to him. And a lot of those guys walk around being glibly anti-choice, believing that abortion is wrong. Because they don't know what abortion has done for them. I think it is really good that when a woman has an abortion, even if she's not in a relationship with a guy, to inform him that he got her pregnant and for him to know that his balls really were on the chopping block. Because if you had decided – if he didn't want to be a father yet, if he was ready to be a father and you decided to keep the baby, he would have been on the fucking hook, right? That he had no power in that, in that moment, that moment of choice, that moment of decision. And I believe there would be fewer glib fucking anti-choice male douchebags, straight male douchebags in the world if more of them knew that they had actually experienced an unplanned pregnancy, that they had gotten somebody pregnant without intending to and that abortion, that choice was made and that was the right choice not just for the woman who made it but also for him, for them. So yeah, tell him. Absolutely always tell them. ExtremeRestraints.com is all the toys you need to unlock your sexual potential. Want to ease into anal? They've got anal trainer kits, skinny vibrating silicone butt plugs, and even beginner inflatable plugs. Want to stretch your balls? That's the theme of the day. Extreme Restraints has rubber, neoprene, leather, and steel ball stretchers. Want to turn your Hitachi into a rabbit? They've got an attachment for that too. No matter what you want to explore, Extreme Restraints has toys for every experience level. And now you can explore your sexuality for less when you enter the coupon code GGGNOVEMBER for an extra 10% off. Double that discount, 20% off, if you use the coupon code GGGNOVEMBER by Sunday. Hi, Dan. I work at a, uh, you know, a little rural town, uh, very Christian, uh, very conservative, at a, um, a group home for some men with developmental disabilities. They are, for the most part, they're not sexually active, but it's very sex negative. Everything around them is really sex negative. They're not allowed to access internet at the house because the owner of the company is afraid that they'll overindulge in porn. You know, their families 
are all pressuring them to like, you know, no sex till you're married. For the guys there who are possibly sexually active or could become sexually active at any moment, I want to be able to be there for them, like talk to them about safe sex, talk to them about, you know, this is a condom, carry one in your wallet, carry two in your wallet. You know, I want to be able to have that conversation with them and to be a good caregiver, to be able to help them stay healthy, which is my job. Um, I also don't want to get fired. That's the big one um, that gets in the way of the first, is not wanting to get fired, because I don't want to end up giving them advice that creates some scandal with their parents or my employers. So I don't know, where's the middle ground here? How do I be there for them, talking about this is safe sex, this is safe foreign consumption, without losing my job. How do you do your job without getting fired? Uh, you don't. There's no way out here. Doing the right thing in this circumstance will get you fired. If you want to be you know, the responsible employee, you can go to your, your boss, the people who own this group home who seem to be as crazy and conservative and irrational about sex as the parents of these developmentally disabled men are and advocate. You can say these guys are adult men. They're out there in the world. They need to be informed about safety and uh, safe sex and just expecting them not to be horny or not to be sexual because they're developmentally disabled is to set them up for failure and also potentially set them up for disaster. Because if they don't have it explained to them, you know, about, you know, there's a lot of developmentally disabled adult men who have impulse control problems, a lot of developmentally disabled men who see the way it works on TV and in movies, not porn. They see the way romance works in movies. And often in movies, guys win if they are persistent, if they don't take no for an answer, they win the girl. That's the narrative of so many awful romantic comedies, plots on shitcoms. You see that all the time. These guys, if they're watching television, are seeing that all the time. If nothing else, you need – someone needs to have a, a conversation with them, an extended conversation about that's not the way sex and romance works. You just don't pester a woman until she realizes that she's in love with you. That's the way you get arrested. They should have that conversation at least but they should also have a conversation about sexual safety. They should have access to protection if they do decide they are adult individuals they do decide to become sexually active or have an opportunity to become sexually active, pretending that developmentally disabled adults don't have desire, don't have sex, aren't sexual, don't masturbate, doesn't make them sexless non-masturbators. It just sets them up for disaster and failure. And so I think that the parents of these men are failing them. I think your boss is failing them. You, however, are in a position where you're kind of – unless you're willing to risk – Getting fired, you're in a position where you too will have to fail them and you can participate in you know, this chain of failure. You can be one more cog in the machine of failure that's letting these men down or you can take a stand and lose your job, um, maybe lose your job. You'll definitely fail them if you don't have the conversations with them that you think that you need to have about safety. Uh, about making condoms accessible in the house, maybe not telling them all to carry them around with them like sex is going to leap out from behind bushes and parks and get them so they need one on them all the time, but having condoms available to them in the house should they need them. You know, If you do all that, you might lose your job. If you don't have that conversation, if you don't educate them about safe sex, if you don't make condoms available somewhere in the house, you will definitely fail them. So there's the risk of losing your job versus the certainty of failing these guys whose care you're charged with. 
in, in that circumstance, it's easy for me to say, you know, I'm not living paycheck to paycheck. I'm not living in a shitty little rural town overrun by Christian nutbags. Easy for me to say I would do the right thing. I would risk my job. I would encourage you though uh, to do the right thing here, to risk losing your job. Uh, maybe not now. Uh, maybe you should bank a little money so that if shit hits the fan and you do get fired, you can – Get the fuck out of Dodge, move to a saner place, be a caregiver someplace else and so you know, scrape up your pennies for the next two months and then have the convo with the guys that you think that they need and then see where the chips fall. But the first move I would make would be trying to talk to your boss and if you can't uh, convince your boss that these guys are, are sexual beings like all other men and they have actually some right to be sexual as all other men are, uh, maybe you can convince him that he is – risking his own business by pretending that these guys aren't sexual, by not giving them the information that they need to be safe. I'm a 30-year-old, mostly straight woman living in New York City. I've been dating a guy for a little over three months, um, not exclusively, but moving in that direction. And I like him a lot. We have amazing chemistry, great sex, lots of fun together. Um, but so far, I haven't deliberately introduced him to any of my friends. On one occasion, we ran into a friend of mine, and she seemed unmistakably shocked that this was him. She later made a comment about his look, how she liked the fact that he seemed confident with me in spite of them. And it sounds like a veiled insult, but I really think that it was a compliment, and she was just taken aback. I've heard your responses to straight dudes who hide their full-figured girlfriends, and I agree that it's fucked up, and I don't want to hide this guy. I realize that he's far from conventionally attractive. And also that he's the only person I've ever dated who's quote-unquote ugly. So my friends will be surprised. I don't want to be angry at my friends for their surprise or awkward comments. They all know how much I like him. They know how into each other we are. And I know that they'll like and accept him. It's just the initial hurdle that I want to deal with. So my question is, is there something I can say in advance to warn my friends so they don't act surprised or say anything that makes me irritated with them? I feel guilty about giving a warning as though I'm apologizing for him, but I also feel guilty subjecting him to these looks of surprise and myself to the awkwardness and irritation and my friends to my anger at reactions they may not even be able to help. So again, I don't want to hide him. My friends are awesome. I know that they'll all get along, but what should I do? I'm not sure. I don't say that very often. I like to have all the answers. But it's the Vicodin. It's bringing the self-doubt out of me today. You know, I wouldn't if I were you just assume that all of my friends would be so crass and tactless as to pull shocked faces when they met my new boyfriend who wasn't as hot as my previous boyfriends were. But you had one friend who had that reaction. And so you naturally, I think, not only want to protect yourself from having to deal with that but protect your boyfriend and his feelings. If he could read – you know, if he's – has a high emotional intelligence and he knew exactly what was going on and what was playing on your friend's face, that's got to hurt. So it would be good if you ran a little interference on behalf of your boyfriend, just like I thought the caller's mother earlier, the bi lady, uh, her mother with the relatives should run a little interference, should do a little advance work, do some legwork on behalf of her daughter before the bar mitzvah. You can do a little legwork and a little advance work and run a little interference on behalf of your boyfriend before the first big meeting. You might not want to tell them that I haven't introduced you to my friends yet because you ugly and I didn't know how to break that to them. Don't do that and leave him out of it entirely. Just say to your friends, you know, 
I, I, it's time for you to meet my boyfriend. He's awesome. The sex is great. We're really into each other. I really click with him on this level. Chemistry, I don't know what it is. Uh, but just so you know, he doesn't look like my other boyfriends have looked. And, and that's how amazing he is and amazing the chemistry is and amazing the sex is. Uh, I find him insanely hot. I just don't want you guys uh, making shocked faces or asshole remarks like that girl did. Uh, when you meet him, can you please be decent? Please be kind. Please be nice. And then, you know, they'll be braced. And not only that, you, you say be decent, be kind, be nice. And then add be the decent, kind, nice person. I know you are because then they're going to live up to your expectations and that compliment that you just paid them that you might react. You know, you might be startled when you first meet him uh, unintentionally or, you know, without intending to hurt him. But just, you know, just so you know, a little warning. Beauty and the Beast thing going on here. Don't want you to make a shocked face uh, and hurt my beastie because he's the bestie in Betty. Just give him the heads up for your boyfriend's sake, not for theirs and not for yours, for him because you love him. So you're going to do that advance work. That's what we do for the people we love sometimes. We run interference to protect their feelings. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a 25-year-old woman. Uh, I've been living with my alcoholic boyfriend. Uh, he's nine years my senior um, and I've been living him, with him since I was 20. I'm only just now starting to learn how to detach from him and how much his disease has consumed me and affected me. So I'm dealing with that. And I'm only a month into this awakening of sorts. Um, at the same time, a good friend of my boyfriend and a friend of mine has started to flirt with me. And once I picked up on it, I started flirting back. Um, and my libido has, like, shot way up. And I'm... I guess I'm kind of strangely attracted to him, but I know I won't cheat on him, on my boyfriend, and, um, you know, I just have enough of a guilt complex as it is. Um, I don't plan on being with my boyfriend for very long, but this is a process, and so it takes time for me to, like, learn, you know, exactly how to deal with stuff. Um, last week, and the, the friend uh, got bold and said something, he said something like that just happens to be my fetish in reference to some very specific things about me. And this was in front of his roommate and me and was at a bar. Um, and he's been trying, kind of driving me crazy. I don't really know how to respond uh, or if I should respond. Uh, I don't know if I should tell him to knock it the fuck off or, or like, you know, give him more details than he really needs or what. So, um, you know, I haven't told anyone else about my boyfriend's, um, stuff and or what I'm going through, really. Um, thanks, Dan. I get in trouble for this sometimes, for the, this point of view. You know, I'm supposed to the advice industry incorporated, the, the union amalgamated advice columnists of the uh, Pacific Northwest incorporated, whatever. We're supposed to tell people always to end a relationship cleanly, to break up and then move on. But in real life, in actual experience and seeing it and uh, having happened so many times, sometimes you know, it's that other person coming along and getting sort of entangled with that other person that gives someone the incentive that they need to end the shitty relationship that they're in. Sometimes – you know, I'm supposed to say, oh, don't do this. Don't – you're playing with fire, flirting with this other guy. Yeah, you're playing with fire but the house you're in now needs to get burnt the fuck down. So play with fire. Go ahead. Burn that fucker down. The, the problem here though and the reason I'm not going to give you that advice, which I have sometimes given to people, to go ahead and play with fire, to go ahead and step out and you know, 
burn the relationship you're in down by being a shit is that your boyfriend's an alcoholic. You are not his nurse. You are not his doctor. You are not an institution that he has been checked into. Uh, you say that you're in the process of ending this relationship or extracting yourself from it um, and that takes time. It really doesn't take time. You just break up with somebody. You say it out loud and it's over and it's done. Maybe because it's been nine years, all of your adult life so far, uh, maybe you're so meshed together that pulling out is going to be really difficult. Uh, maybe he's uh, a bigger basket case than you let on and you don't want to abandon him and you're worried about – to your credit – worried about him crashing or burning uh, should you leave. But you have a right to leave at any time. It is a relationship. It is not indentured servitude. Uh, you're not a doctor. Uh, you're not his nurse. Um, uh, you're not his property. You can go at any time. You can line up the help he needs. Uh, you can speak to his family about the fact that you're out and they're going to have to step up. Uh, you can dial up whatever resources uh, are available in your community that might be there to help him. But you're free to go. At any time. The other reason – so that's one reason I'm not giving you the play with – go ahead. Play with fire advice I sometimes give um, because you should, to be a decent person, make sure he's not going to be completely you know, tanking and crashing when you leave. But then not allowing him to manipulate you with threats of tanking and crashing when you leave to keep you there, right? So you need to lay the groundwork for a, a smooth transition from you being his support system to other things and people and institutions being his support systems. And you can line those up and then you can walk with a clear conscience. The other reason I'm not going to tell you to play with fire with this person because he's a friend of your boyfriend, which could add insult to injury, which could be very explosive. Uh, that's the kind of fire that can burn rage out of control. And you don't want to start that kind of fire. Whatever your kink is, there are other guys who have it. Get your flirt on with somebody else or tell this guy, yeah, that sounds great. I can see what you're doing. You're totally flirting with me and you are totally cranking me up. Get back with me in six months when I'm single because I'm on my way out. And when it's over, after a decent interval, after a decent break, we can maybe date. And then it's your problem to handle what that means to your good friend, my ex. But right now, uh, somebody else coming along would be welcome. That person being you, being a friend of the person I'm with right now, that ain't welcome. So knock it off. It's kind of torturing me. I'm trying to do the right thing here by your friend, my current boyfriend, so that I can depart without destroying him. But you're cranking me up like this isn't helping. So bottle it up for six months and maybe then we can talk. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm actually calling about uh, podcast 313 and the caller who – unfortunately, is uh, getting a divorce from her wife. And I'm a straight guy. Uh, I was divorced uh, four or five years ago. And I have to say that I think, um, I mean, I'm kind of incensed on, on the caller's behalf. Anybody who says to somebody who's getting divorced, this is why people like you shouldn't be allowed to get married, is an asshole. And anybody who says that to a gay person who's getting a divorce and uses it as an excuse to bashed that person's civil rights and that's all the big and I think saying fuck you to every person that comes after is probably an appropriate reaction for the caller Hi Dan, I was just listening to episode 312 and this is in response to the guy who is turned on by girls who fight with him and who's sort of nervous or ashamed of that I just want to tell him that I think that's hot and I have a lot of friends who I bet would also think that's hot um in fact, even just you saying it, I thought was hot. So I do not think that you should be nervous at all about telling 
a girl that that's something that turns you on because I think that there are a lot of straight chicks out there who would really dig that. Anyway, good luck. I, I listened to the Halloween episode recently, and there have been some other calls in the past. I've been listening to the show for years where blood is brought up and, and people freak out about blood and sometimes it's period blood and straight guys freak out about that or women get ashamed when they you know, bleed in their pants or wake up in the morning and the, the sheets are all bloody. And I just want to tell one story that kind of expresses my entire thoughts around that matter. I'm a straight guy and uh, one summer uh, there was this, this cutest girl and I chased after her and we had a lovely date and she spent the night. And we had, but I had to wake up very early for a dentist appointment. I think I had to be up at 7.30, and she was not going to wake up. So I went to the appointment. She stayed in, in my bed sleeping. I got back an hour or so later, and I come in, and there she is sitting, on her knee, sitting up in my bed with the blankets all clumped around her like some ritual, and she was grinning at me. And she says, I've got a surprise for you. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what is the surprise? And then one motion, she whips the sheets off of her and she says, I have my period all in your bed. And we both laughed so hard. Uh, her delivery just made it such a fun thing. And, uh, you know, we spent the next hour or so washing the sheets, trying different projects, and it kind of became, you know, us being partners in crime. Um, so, fellas out there, don't freak out so much about the blood. It's not that bad. And, you know, people who are going to bleed, like, like Dan says, you know, don't treat it like it's a problem. Don't don't ask for other people to sympathize with you. Just say it's not a big deal. Here's how we solve this. And we're going to leave it there. It is election day in America. Fingers fucking crossed that we will be swearing Barack Obama in for a second term this January coming. And that marriage equality won in all four states where it was on the ballot, but hopefully at least won state where it was on the ballot. Uh, hopefully Maryland, Maine, Washington State and Minnesota all came through for justice and equality. Um, and a big thank you to all the people out there who worked so hard in all four states um, to pass and approve marriage equality, including you know, a big shout out to all the straight people that I know personally and that I've heard from all over the country who've donated time and money to the cause. You know, I've been running around for two years saying it gets better and it has gotten better for gay people and lesbian and bi and trans people because straight people have gotten better and seen through their prejudice and seen past the hatred and seen our common humanity. Um, and that's really been evident uh, during the fight in Minnesota, Maine, Maryland and Washington state. Just how many straight people see this fight as their own and are fighting on behalf of their gay and lesbian, bi and trans friends, neighbors and family. And we, 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 saw, we saw it, straight folks, and we appreciate it. And if we win in any of those four states uh, – on Tuesday, today, it's your victory too. 90999 is the number. Text to the Red Cross at the number to donate 10 bucks uh, for hurricane relief on the East Coast. Much love to all of our listeners in New Jersey and New York and New York City in particular who are struggling right now. Uh, we feel you. We appreciate you. We're pulling for you. Uh, and we are raising money out here uh, to help you guys get on your feet. I will be in New York next week. Um, feel like I'm going to visit a sick friend. Can't wait to get there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. Give us a call with your questions or your comments. If you want to make sure that your comment on a particular show is out there in the world for people to read, go to thestranger.com slash lovecast where there is a comment thread on each and every show. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. Give us a call. Me and the tech savvy at risk youth. We'll be back at you next week. Another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Uh, good luck tonight, everybody. 
hope your candidates won. Hope our candidates won. I will be drinking uh, tonight in celebration or drowning sorrows along with everybody else out there. Have a good week. <laughs>